0: This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Alright, welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, this is Casey McLean. Uh, today's guest is my buddy, Mikey Muse. Uh, Mikey is a guy that I've known. We talk about it on the podcast, but I've known him for like 20 years and he talked about doing comedy around the time that I started doing comedy. And then he's just fucking procrastinated and procrastinated and finally started doing comedy in 2019. And I think that's the, like... It's it's tougher for some people. I think my level of comedy is maybe, like, I'm at a good spot to, like... It didn't hurt so bad to take a little bit of time off. Because I wasn't on the verge of, like, enormous career success. It was certainly going to be the best year of my comedy career. But it wasn't like I had a, a TV show that I was pitching or something like that. And I think the other people it's tough on are the people who are, like, brand new. And so I wanted to talk to Mikey about, uh, about his, I mean, his life, how it's been in quarantine and what he thinks it's done to comedy for him. Uh, it starts out, I was asking him a question that I wasn't sure if it was going to be sensitive or not, and so I asked it in an insensitive way, not thinking it was going to be on the podcast, but, uh, I think it's fine. And um, the answer was positive, so that's good. Uh, yeah, Mikey's, like I said, he's a buddy of mine. He's a longtime friend of mine. Portland Comic now. He has a podcast called The Bear Cave, which uh, is it's going to be impossible for you to find. Hopefully, I'll remember to link to it in the episode because there's already a podcast that's popular called Two Bears, One Cave. And... Here's Mikey and this other guy that he... I can't remember the guy's name that he he does the podcast with. And they have this podcast called The Bear Cave. Hopefully I'll be on it soon, but Jesus. I mean, pick a searchable name, fellas. Uh, I think... Is he on... He's on Twitter. Is it at Mikey Muse? Let's see. Mikey. Me, one Mikey Muse. M-U-S-E. Um... And I think that's it. He's probably on Instagram under the same thing. Uh let's see. We could I guess we can verify this. We have time. We have the time to verify where Mikey's at. I hope it's interesting by the way cuz I played baseball with Mikey and I think that oh Mikey's musings on uh on Instagram. I played baseball with Mikey. He's one of the fun- he was one of the funniest guys on the baseball team. We laughed so hard as like fifteen, fourteen, and fifteen year olds. Uh I got him a job. I used to work when I was going to college. I worked at a box factory, and I got him a job at a box factory. And I've never met somebody who I've given two people like hardcore job recommendations that they got, and in both cases, they've just been the shittiest employees <laughs> when they got there. Mikey was one of them. Just horrible attendance. Uh He's like a hard worker, but like just the worst attendance ever. And then I think quit with no notice. He reflected poorly on me, but I'm still friends with him. So anyway, I hope he- allowing him to be on this podcast, I wanted to hear his perspective uh as a new comic. I hope it doesn't hurt my relationship with you. I have, by the way, some absolute monster guests coming up. Uh, I had to push one out today, not to reveal that Mikey's a replacement guest because he would have been on eventually anyway, but uh, I have an absolute, a couple just monsters coming up, and I'm excited about it. I'm sick because my daughter went back to daycare and immediately got my wife and I sick, so I didn't think my voice would hold up, and it's not bad, but it's not good. So, all right, I'm going to leave you with uh, me and Mikey, and then I'll talk to you after. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at com. Also, follow me on all social media at the Casey Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com/slash Casey McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, Before we start the recording portion of this that uh, I'm going to care about more, the last time you and I talked, you you had been trying to knock the lady up. Yep. Have you succeeded yet?
1: Mission accomplished.
0: All right. Is that public knowledge?
1: It is public knowledge. So...
0: Okay. Well, then I'm going to leave it in. Yeah, leave uh, it in. The whole world has to hear me say, knock the lady up.
1: (laughs) Dude, that's fine. I mean, that's really what we talk about. Here's the weird thing, though. I think... I don't know. Well, I'm going to talk about... I don't care, man. We're going to talk about this. I wanted a son really bad, right? Mm -hmm. So I was hoping... So my brother, he's having twin girls, I think they were they were just born and we didn't find out the sex about the daughter or about my daughter yet. I'm going to have a girl. But we were like, okay, I would rather not have all this competition and going crazy and all that stuff. I I don't want the girls to be fighting each other. I want to have a son. I thought of power of the mind. You know, I probably listened to one too many Joe Rogans and I was like, dude, I can just will this shit to happen. If I eat the right amount of protein and work out enough, I think I could produce a boy. Just my testosterone will ship over into that womb. You know what I'm saying? And uh, dude, when the when the lady told me at the ultrasound that like I'm going to have a girl, I just remember my mouth in my mask just open like. And I mean, I was chipper. I was talking. But the moment this lady told me I was having a girl, I was dead silent for like seven minutes. My wife started tearing because she could tell I was like she was
0: disappointed in you.
1: Yeah. Disappointed in me. She felt bad about herself. She knew I really wanted a boy. I didn't hide it from anybody. I even like the family wanted me to do like a reveal in front of everybody where I didn't know yet. And then I yeah. was going to you know, have everybody see that set a forest and...
0: on fire. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, know. you know, fuck it
1: set out emergency management systems you know and all yeah. that yeah well they wanted me to do it in front of them but i told them i was like i don't want anybody to see my face because i know myself and i can't lie yeah and it, it when you find out you're finally having a baby and you've been trying so hard and you find out you're having a girl and you're hoping for a boy it's like when the navy seals go in to go kill bin laden but they lost like four out of five people in the navy SEALs. So you're like fuck we won but I lost a lot of guys.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell you the story of our... uh, We did a gender reveal party, which Mm -hmm. is now, like, a controversial thing, but uh, (laughs) I didn't realize at the time that I was a neo-Nazi for having a a gender reveal party. Uh, Also, didn't, like, not my idea to throw a gender reveal party. Uh, It's the least, like, fun party you'll ever go to. There's, like... Literally there was like uh it was I mean let me rephrase that. I had a lot of fun at it but there's like no alcohol. Mm. Uh it's like a bunch of Coca-Cola and other people's kids running around. <laughs> not it's not like it's like a birthday party for your kid except for your kid isn't there basically.
1: Mhm.
0: And uh it's so really for your wife. Yeah, for sure. I mean it's definitely more for her. Um so we do this the way that my wife's friends set it up is they had this dartboard and it was uh full of balloons and the balloons were all full of sand and there was one i have a daughter so one pink balloon and the rest of them was just like uh, like one balloon full of pink sand and then the rest of them were full of gray sand normal colored sand mm-hmm. and at a point we had hit so many i had thrown so many darts And I, people started giving me shit for my throwing technique. And like, I wasn't, I, we probably, my wife probably hit more of the darts than I did. And I I started to get annoyed (laughs) at that part of the process that when my (laughs) wife finally hit it, I was like picking up more darts to throw more darts. Like I got to hit some more fucking (laughs) balloons. So her perception is that I was unhappy that we were having a daughter. I actually, I would say like, I'm like you probably at a point in the process I was, uh, more concern. i, well, I would have been like a boy would have been preferable uh i can tell you once you go through the process of labor like the sex of your child means so much less also once you have the kid you're not like i would rather have a boy than this kid right like i love my daughter i would never mm-hmm. i wouldn't trade any i'd kill you for my daughter you know what i mean mm-hmm.
1: and it makes sense man it's it's just the truth when a, when somebody asks you like what do you want yeah I mean, and I've been watching too many YouTube videos of, like, feminists fucking up Portland, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Another girl? Another yeah. soldier out there? <laughs> in my house? In my family? Jesus, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's, like, I don't know. I mean, it's there's certainly this thing where there's, like, a lot of uh, socialists and communists with their parents' credit card in their pocket uh yeah. going on right now but I I I don't think that's uh gender or sex specific like I know a bunch of dudes that are like that I always say uh I had a tweet about this but like you sh- sh- show me a nihilist and I'll show you someone with rich parents nah uh, because yeah. when you're like when you've actually worked hard to earn the things that you have uh I think they matter to you, right? Like this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this, I, I think like, I'll so say that. my, I guess my point is, um, you're going to shape your daughter into the person she's going to be good or bad. You could fuck her up to the point. You could like try to instill anti whatever you're talking about and end up accidentally pushing her in that direction also. Right. True. Uh, uh,
1: true. I don't want to be a dick. I just want her to be like, have more balance. It's going to be, I, you know, here's that's the thing about it.
0: is like when she comes in runner up to my daughter for a Nobel prize and for MVP in the WNBA class, uh, class. Yeah. I think that, uh, we're both going to be proud parents. Do you know what I right. mean? Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, I'll be a little more proud, but. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm glad that, I'm glad that happened. I was, uh, now that it's included on the podcast, I feel a lot happier to talk about it because I'm, uh, it's, we're like. I've gotten to spend more time with my daughter through this stretch mm-hmm. than I ever could have expected, right? Like, as a working dude trying to do comedy, like, this was going to be a period of time and I had been off the road forever for, like, I had done one road gig because it coincided with a day job, uh out-of-town trip. Dude, so... for what a-
1: so, I don't mean to interrupt you, but from what I remember about your career, because like you started about a year or two before I did, I just In remember comedy? you.
0: Didn't you start last year?
1: Yeah. No. I, How long I, have you I've been doing it?
0: Fucking over five years.
1: Oh Jesus! So five years ahead of me. Yeah. So man, it feels like two though. I don't. Okay. Anyways, you. uh I just remember you, you were getting to the point where like you were legitimately getting it paid or getting paid for road gigs where you were yeah. like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm being this dad now. I got this decent job or whatever, but like comedy money is starting to be a little bit more serious, not yeah. maybe serious enough for you to like, you know, leave Quit for good, job, but yeah. r- but then it, the COVID hit and, and then, yeah, I mean, that sounds like kind of slowed it down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I had a... Uh my april i had like three weekends on the road which i've i don't i mean i was gonna probably fucking end up divorced at the end of it but uh she like it was gonna be like i had some fucking great gigs lined up i had a i was gonna headline the new comedy club in oklahoma city on june 18th uh was gonna be the first headlining uh club headlining date that i had um yeah, man, I had a lot of good shit lined up. I had a weekend in Wisconsin, and I was, you know, there. I was making a lot of progress, and uh, like everybody, I mean, I think everybody feels like their career got stunted. Hmm. And then I don't know. I mean, it's it's the other thing that's happened, and I I don't know how connected to because you're like, you're you live in Vancouver, but you're part of the Portland comedy scene, right? Right. The so, like, the Seattle comedy scene is just like. I mean, unless they're having secret meetings behind my back, there's just, like, no communication anymore. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. who has decided they quit comedy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know there's, like, a few underground, like, kind of speakeasy shows going on. I've been doing shows in back... Because it's illegal in Washington State to do Mm -hmm. any live performance unless it's... uh, And these are finger quotes, air quotes, all of the same household. Unless you're performing for all people of the same household uh socially distanced Mm -hmm. and and i those shows that i've the shows that i've done like they do follow socially distanced guidelines but i mean we might have to redefine what a household is to keep it uh completely legal
1: that's a mexican's house bro fuck it you know
0: yeah it's uh i did one show where it was like i would say it was like uh like an NBC diversity showcase where like, yeah, like yeah. 30% of the crowd was black and 20% was Latino and, uh, a bunch of white people, a couple of Asians, like the whole
1: damn, dude, you got to pay for a crowd like that.
0: Uh, a United Nations represented in the crowd, which it was, they were not part of the same ho- household Is the point. Also these backyard shows I've been doing, part of it is like just appreciating it more, but the, some of the most fun I've had doing comedy ever. I'm, I fucking have had a blast in people's backyards performing for like fifteen people. Really, dude, so fun! I can't. even I was
1: curious it. about how that was because I, you know, I check out your IG and I'm like, damn, he's doing backyard shows. No shit. I'm. It looks fun, but at the same time, I'm like, if you're stuck in somebody's house and you can't leave, or not that you're that low grade of a person where you can't drive yourself out of there. Like whenever you hear those comedian stories where they're like, Oh, I couldn't drive. You're like, cause I didn't have a license. You're like, what right. a fucking loser. But anyways, you know, you, it's just, you're weird in a, in a spot where you can't just get, yeah fin- finagle your way to get out of there. I mean. I've
0: been really lucky. And there's this one guy that I've, I was at his house twice. And, uh, it's really funny because the first time I went, he had like, I don't know. I thought it was friends from the neighborhood, but it was like, From all over the place. The second time I went, it was, uh, he's a a cop, a retired cop. So it was like primarily, uh, fuck yeah. Primarily like retired cops, and then I think one or two active cops. I had a good joke that I'm going to put out on uh, YouTube at some point about that. But um, the first time I was there, he set me up a chair that was like 30 feet behind the crowd so so after i was done performing and and uh, gabriel rutledge was headlining mm, was nice. performing uh i could sit in that chair and i was like oh this guy knows comedy cuz he knows i don't want to be anywhere near yeah the crowd like it right. felt like a green room or a back back table at a comedy club which that was like and i also uh i brought i have a real thing where like people are very hospitable but i don't want to go and like drink all of someone's beer -hmm. Or um
1: You want to get invited back too, so like if you get drunk yeah and you know
0: Well, I mean, so this is what I do though, is what I've been doing is I bring a cooler of my own beer. (laughs) So I just drink my own (laughs) beer. Like I don't want to be I I don't want to be a burden, but I'm gonna have a good time. I'm gonna have a couple pops in the back, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I don't I I also like, you know, who all who all's hands have been in the cooler, whatever. Like it's Mm. it's it's a privilege at this point in Washington State to be able to do any live comedy. So I'm not going to fuck it up by catching COVID over some stupid shit like not wanting to pay a dollar fifty for my own beer. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're going to do those shows, you take a slight risk as it is. And yeah. who fucking cares? You know, that's comedy, bro. In my opinion, you know, I yeah. thought comedy was made for the rebels. You know what I'm saying? People who don't give a fuck about rules. And you got all these people in, higher up in the comedian california chain who start really caring about it and uh start trying to preach to you and you're like bro no offense but that's not underground at all that's not grimy it's not the stuff that i i respect you know especially the first few months probably the first four to five months i was like all right you know i get it and then after a certain point i'm like dude when the fuck are the comedians gonna stop acting like they're fucking spousing out for nbc or some type of uh network you know are we yeah. well
0: i the think peop- there's like the counterculture than- really Portland's interesting because there's actually been, like, Portlandia was there, and then there's Mm -hmm. been, like, a decent amount of, like, commercials and stuff shot there, so there's actually, like, a small industry segment there, Mm -hmm. so I think maybe there's more reason for a comic in Portland to be, like, a little more uh, on his toes, but for me, man, I'm not gonna fucking... I'm not moving away from Washington. Uh, I have... That like I've reached a point personally where like the shows that I've wanted to do that I haven't gotten to do, I know why <laughs> like mm. there's nothing that's gonna change about me that's gonna make me bookable on those shows.
1: oh, you're white and straight is that the problem
0: right and that's and I, actually <laughs> let, I mean I'll, let me just say this though I do I do want to say this like I get that i I used to say this about NFL head coaches when there was like no black NFL head coaches. And they'd be like, oh, all the, the players are 80 percent black, but the, the coaches are, you know, 13 percent black. And here's the deal. Coaches don't come from this crop of players. They come from a crop of players that became assistant coaches many years yeah. ago. And uh, what what the Kept composition of the league was then is what is represented, is what we should really be concerned about, what is represented in assistant coaches. And that's who becomes head coaches. And now, like, I, that's, that's born fruit. Like, there's a lot more black coaches in the NFL mm-hmm. than there were several years ago. And I think that, like, yes, we need, like, we need there to be opportunities. Cause what you've been to open mics now a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. And there's maybe some sort of like selection bias or some, some bias where like dudes want to do comedy more. But I know a bunch of women in comedy and it seems, fucking horrific to be at an open mic with a bunch of horny 26 year old dudes that are single and are barely employed at 11 o'clock at night like i don't like that and they're no threat to me right i don't want to be around i don't want to like my least fa- this is very yeah, rude. but go ahead go
1: ahead but schumer's brought out a lot of these dirty raunchy chicks out dude so it's no longer but the good, thing man. maybe 19 19- no no no. but listen that's fine Patrice with that bring out? That's fine. That's fine. That's But my point is, like, there's no, like, damsel in distress or broken, like, there's no dough with the big old eyes, you know? Like, yeah. the girls in comedy that I see in the Portland scene, they're like, bitch, what? You know, I'm here. Oh, I'm here to do my thing. They're in Portland. They're, well, I mean, even if they're not very, like, let's say they're like me, right? They're new. They still, like, take charge, and there's a presence about them that I don't know if that was the old 90s or the 80s, whenever that was where there was a big, like, as dudes we're going to really prey upon these women but maybe it's because I look at myself as a fellow comic I respect what they're doing so I don't really look at them like you know let's uh, I don't even like calling myself a comedian because I haven't gotten paid to do it but you get what I it's something I enjoy doing yeah. but I'm not going to look at these girls like hey let's bone let's do this thing well, a lot of these that- girls are out there doing the like I was fucking this guy bang this dude over here so, and I'm like okay so it's brought them more out which is fine so it never feels like it's just a bunch of horny guys. The guys are more into one another, which is the weird part. But you know, that's just guys. You know? I mean, fuck.
0: Yeah, I think I think that that's definitely something that's been. I mean, you and I are both like. I probably started doing comedy. At the beginning of the Me Too movement, I guess, and you're like post Me Too movement. So I think that's definitely something that. I have not experienced. Ooh, there was a, there used to be a database. Uh. Of performers by like gender and race and whatever, mm-hmm. so I'm not I, I'm just gonna quote this graphic, but uh sixteen percent of comics at these fifty five clubs that they measured uh were women, and so I do think they're like women are underrepresented, and so I think that the shit where it's like there's you know in Seattle, there's like a bunch of woman focused shows, and I'm not gonna make a big deal out of those. It's just like I'm also not gonna put in effort to try to get booked on those shows right like i've got uh plenty of other opportunities where i work way less hard for better stage time Mm -hmm. and so like Mm -hmm. anything short of that would be like my ego thinks that i need to grace this stage for the sake of the other women on the show or something like that like i'm no they're they're gonna be fine without me On that show and i have a family to fucking come home to and i don't need to be out till 11 o'clock to go up 30th on an open mic just to show face at a place you know what i mean so so that's fine like but yeah those shows that i've like wanted to be on that look fun that i'm not gonna get on them anyway is my point so now i'm at a point where it's like uh who fucking cares about all the rules Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, within my own morality, like I'm not gonna go up on stage and be racist. But they're, I don't know if you've experienced this because I, I think you're a little more of a, maybe, like a rebel or whatever than I am. But like, I have jokes That's... that I've stopped telling, or that I've chosen never to tell because, I'm like, I don't know, like I don't, I don't really worry about audiences turning on me. But like, the other comics on the show who shouldn't be my enemy, who should be able to empathize with bombing a joke the first time trying it. I'm worried there's going to be a post in a, in a fucking discussion board about me It's because,
1: but it's competitive though, even though they're your peer and they understand, and they should be somewhat compassionate. The fact that it's so competitive I think you know watching. I'm not gonna watching Dalia and Brian Callen and all those boys go through their whole thing, and watching the people who did not help them did not like lend a helping hand. Watching other comedians like Sam Tripoli kind of back them up uh, because they were friends and whatnot helped me realize and see that there isn't a single comedian outside of probably you and maybe the people that I come up with. That are actually going to have your quote unquote back when they know your character and they know you. Like, if you, like you, let's say you got really good mm-hmm. and uh, you're going well five years from now, you're on SNL, you're doing these things, you're on a show, and then some some captains, Casey McLean came out and he uh, talked to this girl inappropriately and the, uh, like, I would come behind you and be like, dude, I know this guy. I know he's an ugly fuck. You know, I know you guys hate <laughs> him, you know, but trust me, as. Grimy as he's been in his life, I guarantee you he wouldn't do this to his family. He wouldn't do this to this person. And even if he has, it doesn't denounce what he has created, and what he's done uh, thus far. So yeah. I, I maybe I don't respect the act if if he had a problem. But there isn't any of that. There's no friendship. There's no camaraderie. Really, there, the camaraderie is like we're gonna get a drink together. We might we might do something else, have something to eat, make some jokes. But outside of that, it's me versus you. It's yeah. who got more laughs, and, and it's not intentional, man. It's just it's just. The human thing, it seems like.
0: I think there's a thing... There's, like, a couple maybe sports analogies for this. There's one, like, there's the direct competition, like, this is the person I'm against. uh, And that's, like, an easy one where it's, like, only one of us can win. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. But I also don't think it's, like... I don't think it's exactly, like... uh, you and I practice against each other every day, and the better I get, the better you get. The better you get, the better I get. I don't think it's exactly that. I will say, like, it's I think... Close. Yeah. I've had a good opportunity to, to open for Gabriel Rutledge, uh, who's mm-hmm. been on this podcast twice now, who's, nice. I would argue, the best comic in the Northwest. And I do think, like, he gives me a great measuring stick of how well I did every single time. And it's not like... I'm not like, oh shit, I want to beat Gabe. But it's like, Mm -hmm. when he goes up and does a lot better than I did, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe part of that is amplified by me doing well in front of him, right? Like, maybe he's he's allowed to go up to, like, a hot crowd at that point, but also, he's ringing more out of that crowd than I was ringing out of that crowd, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's, like, to me where, like, I feel very lucky because I get to see, like... When I perform with him, I'm never the best comic on the show. Like, it has never happened that I've done better than him with a crowd. Right. So, and I think I'm pretty consistent, but I think he's, like, extremely consistent and very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I've I i I'll, I'll, I've also said to a lot of people, like, I don't think this is a team sport. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that, you know, I will, I'll help out people who are good to me. That's another thing that's like, you know, there's a lot of... And you've—I don't think you've ever booked a show, right? It's all just been—you've uh, just been performing at shows.
1: Yeah, just go to shows.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like, if you want to get booked on shows, a good way to do that is to start your own show and then book the people who book the shows that you want to mm-hmm. perform on. Uh, fuck that! that. I don't need to do that anymore either, right? Like the first <laughs> off, I've done that, and the same. These are the same people I'm talking about who like I can't, I can't do your show because I don't match the demographic that you're looking for. And that's... Fu- Again, I'm at peace with that. I'm fine I, with it. I know you dude, hate
1: it. I have it. so many opinions about this.
0: Well, I know you do, and I and I understand why you do. I would say, like, first off, it's not going anywhere. So, like, you know... It is,
1: dude. It is. I think the pendulum's going to swing to the other side, where well, no, it's, too, it's almost too racist, bro. Like, I, I don't use my last name in my comedy name, because I don't want people picking me just to do... Hispanic or brown rooms. I want the people like and that's that's the true test of what's funny and and now if I can get a white audience to come in with me and go 10 years, 15 years back and make them laugh about something that they didn't have to experience but maybe through my Mex brown the way I grew up, my eyes makes them crack up. I feel better. I'm still getting the hit. I'm still getting the high. It doesn't matter that they're black, that they're Mex. If anything, I don't want to get used to changing my language and how I talk and how I make people laugh right. just based upon your race, because that's almost racist as it is. So if I start talking differently just because you're a black crowd versus a white crowd versus a Mexican crowd or all Asian crowd, dude, you're just placating. And you're I don't know if you're really being funny at that point. Are you reading the room or are you being, I mean, in a way, to me, like, I want the you to be the way you are to me, the way you are to a white person, because then I look at you looking at me like we're not equal. And that's yep. the weird thing that these guys who are doing, I understand their hearts and where they, because there was a guy I followed in Portland, uh, another comedian and he was putting a lot of Hispanic rooms and my buddy kept sending me his shit. And I was like, dude, I like, I like that he's doing that and it's great, but I'm honestly more uncomfortable being a Hispanic dude, just getting laughs I don't I don't know how to explain it man other than I, I, I want it. I want to be funny because I'm funny not because of the slight melanin in my skin or my last name and the vowels in it you know what I'm yeah. saying
0: Yeah so so what I'm saying though is is there's there's always going to be this push in the comedy scenes that you and I are in for diversity and I again I think it's good but I think also the way that I look at it and I think the way you probably do or will look at it is like I get that, and I want those people that deserve opportunities to get opportunities, but I also want opportunities. And so I'm not going to just not pursue opportunities. And if I literally am beating against a brick wall to try to get the opportunities, I'm going to create my own shit. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's, and that's what we're seeing in comedy right now is, I think, like, which is inspiring for people.
1: Definite renaissance, man.
0: At like the lower levels is like, you don't need a Netflix special. You need a fucking clip. Yep. Uh, and part part of that's probably going to create like a bunch of comics that get, for some reason, are selling tickets like YouTube stars and can't deliver. I feel like I'm at a point where like I could go be a fucking mediocre road headliner now. So mm-hmm. like <laughs> I mean I could deliver and be fine now. I'm not going. I'm not you know transcending comedy, but uh yeah but like I, I,
1: I but you said five years six years and i mean that's a lot i don't know if people understand how weird it is to try to get somebody to pay you to just talk about whatever's on your mind you know you're, you're, you're basically paying for happiness paying for laughter and for the pressure uh, the pressure that that puts on somebody to really perform and do a good job i mean you know you got to answer that call every single time so it's not something to shit on but
0: yeah actually uh the aforementioned Gabe Rutledge told me a thing one time, and he's like, uh, he's like, to me, it's like, uh, it's kind of unarguable. Like, you got to make the audience make that sound. Like, uh-huh. if you can't make the, if you can't kill, then you can't expect anything. And there's not that many people that can go kill. I don't think I've like, you know, whatever. Like, I, I think I do all right, uh, but I, I'm not like. Killing every fucking show, every day, you know, whatever. Also, like, who knows what it's going to be like when comedy's, like, back in full swing. That's what I really wonder is, like, I'm actually curious. What I wanted to talk to you about is, you've, how many times have you done comedy, do you think? Because let's,
1: let's. Maybe around 20 something, like, maybe le- less than 40, probably, but. Let's clarify right around for, there. The,
0: for the crowd, for the audience of the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast is, uh, you. And I have been friends for like 15, almost 20 years.
1: Yeah. Isn't that wild? Right around. Yeah, dude. Right around. It's easier to say 20 at this point just to get get it closer to
0: 20 than 15. Shit. Sophomore baseball for me. Yeah. You were were a freshman. I was a freshman.
1: So, yeah, I know you, dude. I know you. So you like, I'm not,
0: I'm not, uh, my, I have no idea what your comedy's like. Uh, the last time I saw it, it wasn't incredible. You know what oh, I, mean? I bombed,
1: dude. But I, here's, <laughs> did you here's bomb? the comedy I don't remember hasn't exactly changed. That I remember bro, I went. At, I did a black person bit. uh, and all the white people were like, ugh. And I was like, bro, shut. See, this is why. I already know who I am as a comedian or as far as like what I'm trying to be like, what I'm yeah. trying to do. And I'm not an edge lord, but I do try to push the envelope and I do take advantage of me being Hispanic by doing so. I think that it's almost my responsibility that if the audience is going to give it to me, I should take it and try to go a little bit further for the next comedian coming after me. Because what I don't like is it to be PC at all. You know, and I don't want to offend you and hurt your feelings, but I'm going to make hilarious jokes. You know, I really want to talk about the amount of people who hate white people who are like are super about BLM and they want to have a race war, but their mom is white and their dad is black or their auntie is white, you know, or all the amount of biracial kids I grew up with in the area who, you know, are going bananas about this stuff. But I'm like, hey, guys. You have Scottish and Irish people in your family. Why don't you ask them about what they think as well? And the, the anyways, it's really offensive to some people for uh-huh. maybe a white guy to say that. But for me, I'm like, bro, I was never white. I never looked at myself as white. I know my skin might be a little lighter, but grew up in a Mexican house. So I looked at it like A and B are fighting and I'm C. I'm out of the conversation. You know what I'm saying? Well, so I, th-
0: I think one of the things about that that I'll say, and not to speak to you, to try to stop you from doing anything that you're doing, because. I do also think like we all just fail so much in comedy. And mm. That's like a requirement, like you can't avoid you can't avoid bombing. It's you're yeah. you're always going to bomb a lot. It's I mean or you're going to be like I know people who are like when I started comedy, when I started comedy they were doing the same jokes that they're doing mm. now at open mics. Like Zero stakes, like that's like if you never yeah. got better in practice, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and uh, you never ran bum- a new. That play. bums me
1: out. That bums me out.
0: Yeah, and you're gonna see it, and it's and it's like, you know, part of the deal is like, what do you want out of it? I'm a enough of a narcissist that I'd like to make like, I think I'm good enough to make a decent amount of money doing it. So, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like, if I'm doing an open mic, I'm trying a new line, I'm trying a new order i'm trying something i i can't go up and do like established material just to boost my ego because the other thing about that is and i think this will maybe it'll either up your urgency or make you quit is when you have a kid it's really like how the fuck can i justify spending mm -hmm. multiple hours away from my family and then i just go and do the joke that already works and boost my ego no. to feel the laughs because it does feel great right like that's what we like is
1: that's the high for sure yeah, yeah
0: and so so the that to me is like when i see that shit also those are people that it's like and that guy's doing the show i can't get on you know what i mean like that shit's yeah. frustrating but uh you know that guy's 11 years in and the the person that books the show uh stopped looking at new comics seven years ago and i'm five you know, five plus years in. So whatever, like
1: (laughs) I have have to tell you about this other comedian who I saw my first or second time go up, do these bits. And then my 10th time at the same open mic place, I go back and he does the same exact bits at an open mic. And the amount of respect I lost for this guy, because I was already doing new bits by then. And I'm so fucking new that I'm like, bro, you're like, I don't know. It'd be one thing if you're a Jerry Seinfeld or something, and you're like, oh, these guys are going to like it, but you're just a nobody. We're a nobody crowd where you could take risks, like you're saying, and make some new jokes. Make me laugh, dude. I saw you a few weeks back. Make me fucking laugh. I'm hearing you working on the same stuff, and you know, then you you get the groans. Now, I understand, but the same spot... No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. There are so many open mics, dude, in Portland that you don't have to do the same joke at the open mic and you could probably do 20 maybe 10 at least open mics without saying the same joke i understand uh, that that's all I'm I've, gonna say. I've
0: met a lot of people that that do this thing where they're like i i know a guy that i'm friends with that i like a lot he's one of my favorite people in comedy and he has a rule where he will not do he never will do the same material in the same location no matter the context so if there's mm-hmm. three people in the room The first time, doesn't matter if there's 40 the next time, he can't do the same material. That's his rule. Wow. And I think the thing about that is you're never going to make that material good enough without repetition. True. So I think there's a balance to be struck. Like, I certainly know people who are – but so I guess I'm curious, like, what do you feel like – do you feel like you've lost – What have you done comedy most recently?
1: The only... Man, I haven't done comedy really since COVID hit. I've been sticking to the podcasting stuff, started a podcast with a friend of mine who also is in comedy with me. I've done a better job of making sure my... So I was creating this comedy trio of people that I basically would call, put up the bat signal and be like, let's go out tonight. Uh, There's a girl, Courtney, and then my buddy, Lewis. And between the three of us, we started to go to open mics together. And we have such different tempos and the way we do it that it was actually being fun and it was a thing where the guy who was organizing the open mic was starting to become proud of us because he can tell our material is starting to get better and we're starting to bring people and we're helping grow his open mic so he's starting to appreciate that me and lou now we brought a girl comic you know i met her at a job she's fucking turns out to be pretty funny and creative i was surprised and i'm like start you, you start to feel this like special good feeling like oh my god I think I'm starting to come upon something special a little bit, but it's so new. I don't know yet. Just these two people around me, plus what I like to do, like you were saying earlier with Gabriel. Now these people aren't Gabriel and me and you, I'm sorry, you and Gabriel versus us three are not the same as far as our experiences go, but it's similar where these people pick me up and they make me want to do better. If I hear more laughs for them, Then I got that night, I'm like, all right, you know, they really killed it. They crushed. I need to, I should have made this funny. I should have said it like this. I I mumbled over here. I stumbled over that word or I rushed through this thing because I'll YouTube it. My buddy will record it and I'll see it. Um, But they don't make me feel, you know, like I can't do it. I know I'm funny enough to make people laugh because we've done it enough times to know that. And uh, anyways, comedy and watching all my favorite comedians throughout this pandemic has helped me realize that. I know this kind of is what you, comedy money doesn't really matter it's mm-hmm. it can go anywhere and the money is how you make it so with the podcast, with you going out and trying to be not trying to be funny, but you know what I'm saying being funny and going out to comedy shows and all that stuff, continuing to get your name out there and being out amongst the people is huge. Not acting like you're better than them don't don't join a movement, don't join a group, don't get political. that's the problem with the Portland scene honestly. Everybody went political. Everybody in the Portland scene is honestly, very, well, we're very left down here, mm-hmm. so they're either at the. I recognize a couple comedians that were part of the fucking Antifa thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a, particularly this guy, and yeah, I think you already know who he is. He's Probably a guy we a, can say it off
0: the thing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I don't even, I, mean, I, I just don't want to. I don't have no reason the to start is, a fight with anyone in
1: Portland. I, I don't want to fight with everybody there, but the point is, is I'm. I don't care anymore, and that's the thing I was trying to say. Is like people make money off of personality, not just out of, you know, Oh, I went to this open mic. I went to that place over there. This venue paid me this. Those venues don't fucking matter anymore. It's do you have the pull? Do people like you and your personality and your take on whatever it may be? So even if I'm a bit, what is it? Incredulous or I'm kind of chauvinistic or whatever I might be at that certain point, I'm trying to make certain people who like me, Laugh, And if you don't like me, then I'm not for you. And I'm not worried about winning you over. I'm not yeah. worried about you liking me because I know I'm a good man. I know that I love people around me and that whatever I say, it's either to make you laugh or make you think or make myself laugh. Shit, I'm angry and depressed too at times. So,
0: Did you ever listen to the Brett Ernst episode of this podcast?
1: Y- no. Uh-uh.
0: You messaged me about it. You sent me a deal. You were probably stoned when you did it, but the... Uh... Uh, cause yeah, I got Brett Ernst on this podcast and it, cause I, he was the first comic first. I
1: wouldn't he- be surprised if I did listen to it and I've been stoned. <laughs> <since> then, <so. laughs>
0: he was the first headliner I worked with at Tacoma comedy club and there was this moment we had. So we're all like, it's, uh, it's like a weekend. He drinks a little bit during the show. I stopped. I I have this rule now where I won't drink until the last till after the last time I'm on stage for the night. So like, mm, okay. If I'm hosting, I'll do it after the sec like the late show hosting set. Uh I'll drink the rest of the show if I'm featuring, you know, whatever after that. But back then, this was not the rule cuz I was still very nervous. Uh mm-hmm. so I would just drink the whole time. And he'd go long and I'd fucking my bladder would just be like bursting at the seams, waiting for him, for him to get off stage. And I never knew when he was going to get off stage because it wasn't like he was doing seventy minutes and he's timing himself. It was like one night he would do eighty minutes, one night he does ninety five minutes, one night he does sixty five minutes, and then the next show he does eighty minutes again. Like it's it's all over what the f- place. The jokes are not in the same order. Like a real. But so, anyways, I'm we're drunk at the uh, end of the Saturday night. And he's like taking over the, the music and he's playing like hip hop that I've never even heard of from the fucking 1940s, I think. And, uh, he's, so he, he looks at me and he goes, he grabs me by the side of the head like this. And he goes, I got to tell you one thing. You're the fucking artist. You decide what's funny. And I think about that all the time. I'm not ah. great at executing it, but he thinks about I think about it all the time because that dude is like you want to meet somebody who's like a comedy purist, that's the guy. Who's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be owned by anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh he doesn't want to be owned by anyone, he doesn't want to be told what to say by anyone. And so like I look Respect. at this year where I where I fucking like we all lost a year basically uh and that's it is a little bit reassuring that we all lost a year it's not like i broke my leg and missed the season we all Mm -hmm. lost a year but what i if i can gain anything in the year it's like when we come back i'm gonna do the fucking comedy that i want to do and i'm not gonna wait until i have enough status to fucking pull it off or whatever it's you know and if if the and i I don't i don't want to be that crazy i'm not fucking patrice but like listen i it's just like
1: but he's our hero dude he's everybody everybody has patrice on a mantle because of that right because he wasn't afraid to be patrice and here's the thing though not everybody has
0: patrice on a on a mantle there was a lot of people that fucking hated patrice and that's the other reason we like him is because he didn't give a shit that those people Mm -hmm. hated him and i'm talking audience Mm -hmm. members i'm talking other comics like from a comedy purist perspective i understand why you and i love patrice but there's a lot of people with a story of patrice that's like that guy was the biggest piece of shit that i've ever oh. met you know what i mean because he oh, didn't okay. give a fuck about anybody's feelings on he cared and to a fault right like that dude died it like not broke but like n- not with the fortune that his reputation you would expect to come with it you know what i mean mm-hmm mm-hmm like probably the most lucrative gig he had was like a like rarely recurring role on the the office.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And even then he uh I remember he got kicked off cuz he kept making fun of BJ Novak. Is that why? <laughs> yeah. All yeah. he would say from like down the hall, you would just hear, "This is Patrice. BJ Novak, and apparently he would just do that randomly during the show, like where it stressed Be- the actual writer out because <laughs> you know, is this big ass black guy screaming your name on set and just making so? For know, example, while, Bj
0: Novak might not have Patrice as one of his heroes. <laughs> Hell no!
1: <laughs> yeah, you pissed off a writer and creator of the show, and it uh, turns out you probably were written out of it. So you know, yeah. that happens. You know, I mean. I there is a way to tactfully do what Patrice did without crushing everybody's souls or you know making yeah. them feel like beneath you but I think that's also the change in the time now where I you know you should be able to say things and I as an audience member know you well enough because through your podcast and I think that's the shift is that people are going to their own audiences to do shows yeah. and when you sell out your podcast and you're like hey this is who I am this is my personality a little bit it's just like having your friends there, man. You're going to crush most of the time. And having a having a comedian like yourself or anybody who's just saying it the way they really feel but putting that funny twist on it, I think we're all – I'm just like you, man. I'm ready to be myself, whatever that is. I'm, Brett Ernst, thank you for that amazing piece of information and knowledge or whatever you by, gave Casey because I'm me taking tell it to you, Because
0: I don't think I told it all on the, on the podcast. We took an Uber that I paid for, by the way. i think i made 125 dollars that weekend i spent about 60 of it on this fucking uber uh including i paid for the uber while we stopped at a smoke shop we went through the drive-thru at a smoke shop to buy him chewing tobacco and then we went to we went to emerald queen casino because he was going to try to teach me how to play craps but really this was just a ploy to go to emerald queen casino cuz we right. got about 3 rolls in the craps and he realized I was too drunk to like understand. He literally handed me 20 bucks like I was his wife and he goes, <laughs> "Go play slots." And then while we were there, multiple times he was spitting into cups and that's I guess against the rules on the floor of Emerald Queen Casino. Hmm. And he almost got kicked out for chewing on the floor and he kept like snapping at the waitress. He's like, Oh, can I get a uh, Jack and Coke, please? And it's like 3 a.m., like an hour past last call. And on the fourth time, she's like, listen, are you drunk right now? <laughs> like, he's like, of course not. I mean, yeah, we were fucking hammered. Not at all, ma'am. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny,
1: man. Yeah. But he's right. He's right. You know, yeah, I agree. Whatever you, you're, you think is funny, you're the one who made the decision and you got the balls to go up there. And Decide that I'm gonna try to make these people oh, laugh, and then I was gonna say I know, what I, was say.
0: I, know what I was gonna say to you earlier Which is that I do think like did I don't I didn't want to I don't want to deter you from doing anything But I do think that when you start to bring in those sensitive topics You do have to understand that the degree of is higher like the tightrope gets higher off the ground and it gets looser and narrower however far we can drill this fucking analogy in before it's annoying but <laughs> it gets more difficult this tightrope you're walking which is the fun of comedy right it's like we're it's that whole yep. like the thing about being a quote unquote edge lord is you have to start by knowing where the edge is mm-hmm. uh and we mm-hmm. all know where the edge is if it we're any good right and i think like my joy is pushing up against the edge and i think maybe the edge lord's joy is jumping over the edge and uh living on that oh. side for a while right I don't, you know, that's not the kind of comedy that I do per se, but I'm not like, there's like, I, I'm fine with all kinds of comedy. What I will, the, the, the type of material I'm willing to accept from comedy shows that I have basically no morality when it comes to comedy. Like, I will fucking listen to <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> the most horrendous shit to the most benign, like, uh, talking about cardigans bullshit. Like, no, I, and find it both, Types of comedy very funny there's a dude in portland by the way that i think you should you should check out when you can see him named phil Schalberger. that i'm like hmm. i want to the next time he's in seattle i'm gonna buy tickets even if i mean hopefully by then i could like i'm trying to i want to get him on this podcast to be honest with you he's like a very peculiar guy he does uh like audio prompts when i when i saw him i don't know what his act is now but when i saw him he was doing this thing it was like 45 minutes Mm-hmm. Um, I only saw him do 20 at this like secret drop-in show in Seattle, but he was he was in town headlining another gig, so maybe it's an hour. Um what plays over the speakers is his inner monologue. And, oh and what then he says stuff responding to himself and his inner monologue. It's like so heady and so interesting. Yeah. But when I f- the first 2 minutes he was on stage and I saw him doing these audio prompts I was like fuck this guy. <laughs> this is so fucking corny. And then like by the end I'm crying laughing like my fucking body hurts. I saw him and he dropped in on the show and Dan Soder dropped in on the same show. No way. Yeah, and I had this experience because Soder this this Phil Schallberger guy cannot be an easy guy to follow because the energy he brings is substantially different than a normal conventional stand-up comic. It's like PowerPoint-ish comedy. Like it's not. It's weird.
1: Oh, who's that guy? He's I forgot his name. He's like Brown. Shit. He did one a few years back. I, never mind. Keep on going. So anyway,
0: going. Dan sort of went. I and mean, Dan sort of did fine. Like, and I actually had him on a past podcast of mine. And we talked about it, and when I watched him, like, not have a set that he was happy with, all the shit he was saying was still funnier than anything I had written, and I was like, oh, I gotta write more, like, I'm fucking garbage, like, this is, it's like, it's like when you first see a 95 mile an hour fastball, do you ever remember that, like, uh, when, it, yeah. had, like, tryouts, they would always crank the pitching machine up to 95, and you're like, oh, that's what 95 looks like? Mm-hmm. I am fucked. And that's yeah. what I felt like when Dan Soder was there, I was like, oh, this is, like, a guy kind of bombing by his standards and still saying shit that's funnier than anything I've ever thought of off the cuff, like, you know, mm-hmm. in a fucking Russian accent, too. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, Damn. I, anyways, my point is, is, like, I'll accept anybody's comedy. My The, the shit I want to do is, like, kind of, it's, like, I would call it, like, not wholesome, but it's, like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's not wholesome, but I don't, I'm not trying to like offend people. I'm not trying to like dig a hole on purpose to win the crowd back, right? Like mm-hmm. I just want to do good the whole time. <laughs> like I don't know why that's so complicated. I, I,
1: I think that you have. I think I know what you're. I mean, you basically want to do what you're doing. Just be a bit more open, you know? Because I think that yeah. the the filter or whatever the hell that was before, where you're like, mm. yeah, uh, I'm never
0: because worried about. It, like audiences. you were
1: saying, it was it was pretty heavy with. PC was really heavy before 2020 hit. Yeah. Cause I, I thought it was still going that direction where people were really monitoring what you'd say. And even if you got in a fight with somebody, you, you got to be careful and not call them a certain word because you can go to jail in certain areas now, you know, right. and that's where it gets really weird with free speech or freedom of speech. Cause you're like, well, I can't even call them names if I just want to defend myself or, you know, make a joke or, uh, yeah. And there is a line there. Right. And, uh, I don't know, man. You're funny as it is, and I know that you're funnier when you're raunchy too, because that's why I liked you. And I think that's why we got along so well, because you could go to the raunchiness, you could, and I think you can make that funny. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I've been to your shows enough to see yours is very like, not I wouldn't say family oriented, but you're a family guy, so you make the jokes around there roughly, and some of the experiences you've had outside of that. But you can make that a little bit raunchier and I feel like people would still like you because they, you kind of have that like, Oh, I get it. This guy's lived. That doesn't mm. feel like he's just trying to do this or something.
0: Well, the thing that I've observed over this and I probably do got to go pretty soon. Thank you for mm. giving me your time. Cause it was on short notice. I've i uh, I'm sick right now. And I will tell you the truth is that I had a killer guest lined up and I canceled because my, I didn't think my voice would hold up and it actually has held up pretty well. And so I was like if you could give me a half hour that would be good and then I if it sucks I know that you're not going to be mad at me when I don't release it. Uh <laughs> but I think it's been fun. So uh yeah. But what I've observed over this is like supposedly Comedy Central is like on the verge of closing. Mm-hmm. Um the most sought after tickets in comedy remain like Fucking Bill Burr, Andrew Schultz, Dave Chappelle, uh, even still Louis C.K. is like selling out quickly. Like the most sought after tickets in comedy are not the like PC darlings. And so Mark Norman. And so it's mm-hmm. like Comedy Central has decided they're going to make, they want to shape stand up comedy in a way. You could argue to their detriment if they're going out of business. Netflix is kind of doing the same thing. And, like, again, like, you know, I think Taylor Tomlinson's very funny. I think that if she gets a special, there's no reason that uh, Joe List, who's my favorite comic in the world, shouldn't mm-hmm. get a special. But they're, like, the only white dudes they're booking right now are famous. And right. Joe List isn't famous. And that's... So, she gets a special it doesn't mean she doesn't deserve a special like she is a hilarious standup comic uh but then joe list puts it out on youtube or mark norman puts it out on youtube sam morril puts a, st- a, a special out on youtube namesh patel puts a special out on youtube and they get millions of views and then it's like well do we even need does a comic even need netflix now uh does does you know if it's if these are the guys if i'm looking at these guys and i'm like joe list is the every bit the comic i want to be like i would be fucking thrilled if in 10 years i was as good as joe list is right now (sighs) and that dude can't get a fucking netflix special i'm not getting a fucking netflix special i mean i'm not getting one now obviously but like that's not even the goal, like I gotta be thinking fucking ten years from now, what's gonna be the thing, and if it's if it's self releasing shit like I mean I can do all that like some of the shit that's coming out is mm-hmm. like like um, I have a buddy Zoltan Cassis who has a million views on his special, it's called modern mail. no shit, it's just okay. the audio from his album and one camera angle, and it's like one it kind of shows one one thing that's interesting about that specifically is it shows like this is all one show this was all for yeah. one show this isn't a compilation of a bunch of shows where like we have a highlight package of the joke did well on the first show but not on the fourth show so we you know but you said it right on the fourth show so we cut the laughs you know it's not this like frankenstein of bullshit it's one straight shot the whole time but also like that's like fully self-produced i think he donated all the money to charity which is mm-hmm. probably a fucking mistake. <laughs> because i bet he made pretty good money on it uh but yeah man like do do the most watched there's like the most watched stand-up clips in the world are like not even full specials now uh you know i think that's like the shit where you got to be thinking especially like first off Just keep getting better, because it's all mood if I don't get good, right? Like, if I don't get that good, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think probably, like, more so at your level of experience, where, like, yeah, man, just keep getting on stage. Do Zoom shows. Do fucking uh, truck bed shows. I meant to do that one, by the way. The one in Portland out of the truck bed.
1: What the f... I was about to ask, like, how do... Have you done a Zoom show? How does that even work?
0: I've done, like, ten Zoom shows. It's, like, uh, basically, you have the, everything you would need to do it. The crowd is, uh, you know, a certain chunk of them, or all of them in some cases, uh, are mic'd, so you can hear them laugh at your jokes.
1: Oh, shit. That's
0: nice. Um, it's not as fun as a regular show, but I bet if you did it, you would enjoy it a lot. When I did it mm. for the first time, my first Zoom show was in May... I think, and I hadn't done comedy since March, and, uh dude, it was, like, my first open mic. I was, like, pouring sweat, so excited, <laughs> and then I did Shit. live comedy for the first time in June, and I was like, oh, fuck, Zoom comedy, like, I'm doing live comedy now, this co- live comedy's back, and then, you know, it's like, it's not back, Uh I don't, mm-hmm. I'm trying not to get on a plane right now, mm-hmm. so... I'm trying to do only gigs that I can drive to, which means they're either in Oregon, Idaho, or they're uh, in people's backyards, and not everybody wants comedy in their backyard, not even everyone has a backyard, etc. It's very complicated, but I would suggest just fucking getting as many reps as you can. Get in bad situations. Uh, Mm. You know, there's like a, a room in appear that i love that it will go to someday when comedy's back if it if it exists and the place it was in is still open when washington enters whatever phase we have to enter to you know with all the appropriate caveats but we're like i know the crowd is gonna be rowdy every fucking time at this place and i love going there because it's always a challenge because winning there is so much better than winning in a place where it's a bunch yeah. of fucking college students paying close attention like you're giving a lecture not mm-hmm. that that's not challenging in other ways, but like, you go to a place where there's a bunch of assholes, like where the bartenders are heckling you, that's a fucking, that is some, um, uh, that's a lot of obstacles to take on. It's mm-hmm. like a tough mutter versus a, a fucking distance run, you know?
1: I get that. I have a question if you, uh, if you have a little bit of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with all the stuff that happened this year with the 2020 pandemic and all that shit, one thing I did realize is comedians or (laughs) what comedians were doing that, that helped them out was creating like little networks for themselves. And I know we kind of talked about this a while ago, years ago, actually, you talked about the idea of that. I was curious if you still were into that. And, uh, what
0: do you mean? Like a podcast network?
1: Like a network similar to that where you kind of – you do shows, but you also do each other's shows and you try to help each other when whether it's producing or bringing in talent or whatever. But it's that same mentality where your podcast isn't just on you anymore. It's kind of like you're all helping each other and you help, I guess, broaden the eyes and ears to your podcast itself by creating a network and not having to get paid by – so, the network would get so let's say you had the the network that you're talking about. the advertisers would pay you as a network to advertise on every single show rather than you know however it is not yeah. going now
0: so i think I think that like podcasts are so cheap to put out and so cheap to buy them the uh equipment now um that like having a network for that purpose is almost nothing. I think the only thing networks do now is sell ads. And I think that's that the, if you... What's that?
1: Well, that's kind of what I'm saying with the network. I mean, go back to the word networking. That's kind yeah. of what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's so, not really so much about a, creating a center for all these places to do. I mean, it is nice to think if you were able to get enough eyes and ears and everything, you could create a studio where you could get Dan Soder in and chill and, and Brett Ernst and all these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Joe tough List.
0: to be like... I, first off, I mean, I think like right now is the best time there's ever been to get comics on a podcast because they, none of them are doing anything. And they're, and everyone's used to Zoom podcasts at this point. Audience, like the, the listeners. Uh, and also like, I mean, be tactful, but most, like a lot of comics are cool enough that if they have time, they will do your podcast. If they come to town to, uh, helium or you have um what's the other club called harvey's
1: harvey's yeah and the ice house
0: wait you think we have an ice house no you don't have an ice house oh it's a bar sorry 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 (laughs) that's a bar (laughs) no it's a bar in a jesus what part of pasadena are you uh... Uh, it wasn't uh... look man um but yeah i mean I, i think like that's kind of i think that sounds good i think like i probably thought that it's like kind of back to that not a team sport thing where it's like at this level, like, what are we all going to share, our 50 listeners? Like, what, you know, what is the... Mm-hmm. I also think, like, there is a thing where... Uh, like, I have people who I've made friends with who just, like, they're not putting in the same amount of effort as I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, how much effort, how much of my bandwidth am I going to give to somebody to, like, try to pull them up with me when I don't feel like I'm you know, ascending at the pace that I would like to either. Mm-hmm. So any effort used on that, I think, would slow me down. And it's not like, you know, I think when I have an opportunity for somebody, I give it to them. Like, I've, I've uh, you know, recommending people for stuff, uh, booking people on stuff that I'm doing. Like, I love doing that. It feels great. Um, I think, like, part of the deal with a podcast network that's so appealing is the idea of never leaving home and working only a handful of hours a week and then just having the rest of your time to be creative otherwise to like supplement your lack of comedy income uh but it's like you know that's hard if you don't have a following and neither of us have uh i couldn't tell if you were i thought you couldn't tell if you were kissing your wife hitting a blunt or if a (laughs) penis had just entered your mouth because of your virtual background
1: very large yeah
0: uh penis so, yeah, I mean, I, I've, like, I've thought about that, but I also think that, like, the bet, you know, the best thing for any comedy network, like, how did the, all the, the good comedy networks, podcast networks of any kind start, start, is one huge anchor, podcast, or comedian, right? Like, all things mm-hmm. comedy has Bill Burr, uh, the Legion of Skanks podcast is what made Gas Digital so famous, um... Uh, I guess like the Todd Barry there's like a bunch of those other networks that I guess I don't know as well but there's like anchor podcasts that are like the dollop I think was on one of those networks and uh, then you can use those like you know find some crossover fans with that but like right now I don't have any fucking fans man I got like six fans like you want them <laughs> fucking have them uh, I love them please stick oh, around fans but I don't there's like no fan. I don't have any fans you know what I mean I think that, I don't know when that happens. I don't know when you get fans. It, we all talk about when you're doing a podcast. I, I, oh, let me tweet. I'll, I'll read you a tweet of mine. That's an exciting way to end the podcast, but I, I thought it was one of the funniest things that I've tweeted, uh, about being a comic. Cause I try to avoid, oh, excuse me. I got the hiccups. Um, I guess another reason to end the podcast. Uh, I said, riveting i know this is riveting great. words i'm good sure pod. this is why i have so many fans uh, bro this is
1: part of it i mean shit man
0: i said comedians are open about the most humiliating and intimate details of their life except for exactly how few people listen to their podcast <laughs> and then i said that's good i said uh me personally i haven't looked at the numbers in a long time or i have the analytics page as my homepage. can't be sure <laughs> and uh yeah i mean that's like you know we're all embarrassed about how few people actually like what we do and i've i'm running an ad right now as an experiment for uh to see if i can get more backyard if i can get if i could get enough backyard shows to keep paying for ads i'd do backyard shows till comedy's back like i fucking love them and i have mm. the my own equipment i could show up in anyone's backyard at any day i they don't even need a plug-in my fucking pa is powerful battery operated I can have one person carry it. It's easy. Uh, Good to go. And I haven't fucking gotten one inquiry. (laughs) I've gotten a lot of like, (laughs) oh, I like this. This is funny. But not one person that's like, oh, how much would it even cost to get you into my backyard? Because it's Mm -hmm. less than you think. Whatever you think, (laughs) it's less than that. Uh, Comedians just so badly want to perform that, like, you know, we can negotiate. But, yeah, man, it does not... uh, the lack of fans for most comics is, uh, that's what we all lack, right? Like it's what we, if we all share the same six fans, then we just all have six fans.
1: Yeah. I guess I don't really think about it that way. I don't know. I, I guess I didn't, I thought that you you build the network first and then around that the fans come, but I, I do see where you need a flagship or somebody to be able to like create the Island, you know, that you want. And then you can have your other people because I guess t- Gas Digital or whatever the hell that is, you know. Uh, there's only like one good show, but I was able to find other shows through them that I didn't even look at before. Where well, I think their homepage one
0: popular show. I mean, well,
1: Calta Bo- and Kelly. I think that's part of it. No, it's not. And that's Bobby Kelly. It's not Cal- <laughs> exactly. Cal- that's what I'm saying. Cal- I and Kelly- but I found his podcast because they're. They're almost together as a network. They're always on each other's shows. And that's kind of the point well, I'm trying to make. Well, that's actually the
0: point that I'm trying to make, which is that the, so Calton and Kelly was part of this thing called the Riot Cast Network, which is now part of the Laugh Button, which has whatever, 10, 15 shows on it. There's, you know, they, they leave and come Ugh. back. Uh, but my point is, is that even though they're not on the same network, the way comedy is, it's not like they're like, well, you're a riot cash show, you can't go on a Gas Digital Network show. Like Right, yeah. Everybody's helping everybody. Just become friends with comics. That's that's the networking you need to do. Be cool to comics. Don't ever fuck comics over. Uh, you know, I think comics like it word travels fast when a booker If you ever book people, pay them exactly the amount or more than you promised, even if mm-hmm. you're losing money, like never fucking Never fuck over comics. That's, like, the rule. That's, like, my number one rule is never fuck over comics. Never lie to comics unless you're, like... They, they want to do your show and you don't want them on there, then you can say like, uh, Oh yeah, I'll check the, you know, thing and see if it's got any openings or whatever. Like, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, like they do to me when I ask and they obviously aren't going to book me like that's, <laughs> But my point is, is like, ne- like I know people who have been quickly fucking removed from the scene from polite society because they're promising people money and not paying. And listen, man, you promised me 10 bucks uh, to come on your show and you don't pay me ten bucks, like I'm not gonna fucking. I don't need the ten bucks. That's a very cheap lesson to learn. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's like uh, lending someone twenty dollars that I'm like new friends with. Yeah, I'll do it every time because I want to learn that lesson at twenty bucks before it's at two hundred bucks or two thousand bucks or whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, I, I want to say before what we... about shit talking? Uh, I mean, shit talking is a blast. I think like. Uh, I think like do like i have a thing with uh making fun of another comics material in a way that will make stop make people not like their material make audience members not like their material hmm. um i think like calling someone a hack is pretty egregious uh maybe it's because inside i'm asking comic. you because
1: you know me man I'll, if somebody asked me my opinion on something i want to know where i should put the governor and be like all right i don't want to lose my tactics because i'm just like
0: yeah i would always just say like why upset an apple cart unless you're benefiting right like uh i got it if you know if it's a moral thing if it's like does this person steal jokes or fuck over other people like just because it benefits you like i knew people that same guy that i'm talking about uh who, like, would still, like, because for some reason he had a hard dick for them, uh, would still do his shows all the time. And, like, I would do his shows, but I just would never do them with the expectation of getting paid. And I would mm-hmm. the other thing I would absolutely never do is turn down any other show ever, even if it paid zero dollars, to do his instead. Because I knew, like, one, this dude's poison, he's gonna be gone, and two, like uh even if he says he's gonna pay me he's fucking lying um damn damn right but like but that that sucks right that's like that's like basically your boss and the shitty thing is your boss is also your peer and if your boss stopped paying you and kept saying he's gonna pay you and then stopped paying you and then someone was like and then you told somebody you you would want someone to tell you if they knew that he wasn't gonna pay you Mm -hmm. right so yeah, it makes sense. All right, I gotta go eat dinner with my uh, my wife and daughter, but it was good to talk you to do. you. We should do go it ahead. again soon. Let me. What's your podcast called? Bear Hugs. Wow. The Bear
1: Hug Pod. Yeah, exactly. B a r e h u g. So started with my buddy, and uh, it's it's. When did we start it? No, let or me what? do it. All right, we'll have to call you in just like this. Basically, it's no different.
0: Yeah. I got a fucking great setup, dude. I can be uh I'm a What what is it available everywhere you get podcasts?
1: Yeah, well, so far just YouTube right now.
0: Oh my uh, god, this fucking guy.
1: <laughs> Come on, man.
0: Are you at least live streaming on YouTube?
1: Yeah, I think so. So, we record it, put it out the same day. Um
0: Is it on the Mikey Muse?
1: No, it's a different thing altogether. What's
0: it called? I'm looking it up right ba- now. B a
1: bear hug b
0: a r e h u g.
1: I wanted to call it like I wanted a bear hug because it's like I care, but not that much, you know. And he's a big fat guy, and so am I.
0: Man, this is a this is a difficult. This is not a good oh, search I know. term,
1: huh? well gets you a lot of other bears.
0: If I put in bear hug, Mikey. Is B A R E for real?
1: I'm sorry, hold on. I have to get with my uh, analytics guy. And, uh... All right, let's. See. Oh, it's called the Bear Cave on uh, YouTube.
0: Wow, do you know, are you familiar with uh, Two Bears One Cave?
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, we can't be Bear Cave, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let's make our let's make our podcast remarkably similar. Like all the search terms be the same as, uh, as a very popular other podcast with two famous comedians. Oh, I am saw, I smart? For, I saw this for, as the as the like a thing, but let me. <laughs> Oh, three subscribers. There we go. I got that. I know that much for you. I'm the third <laughs> view on this episode. Oh, look at how cute you are, Mikey Muse. Okay. All right. Uh, and Lewis Arthur.
1: So we're still trying to find out what we are. We're not. It's really like me. I feel like I lose my shit every episode. And Lewis is a sweet, good human being. And uh, he talks about, like, records, stuff that I'm not interested in. But it's like. I'm like, oh, okay, shit. WWE? I don't I'm not into that, but let's talk about it, you know I what see. I'm saying? So, there's a little bit of everything. He is definitely m- so different from me that I I kind of enjoy that part. But it's weird cuz I can't
0: Is this the guy that makes bad facial expressions on his Facebook? where all of his profile (laughs) pictures are him making the same bad expression yes yes okay well bro you should
1: see this person's comedy it would drive you it would you would love it let's because uh, you would not expect it at all let
0: me do this this podcast let me give you the six fans that i have let's get two of them over to you
1: oh gladly yes i'd love that
0: all right i'm gonna hang up on you now for real but thank you and i love you and uh wait before you exit out of the thing so it'll upload Hold on.
1: Well, I love you, too.
0: Alright, I hope you enjoyed, uh, enjoyed Mikey. I, it's a crazy time, by the way. Um, we're living in the craziest time I've ever lived in, I think, for most people. I can't imagine a crazier time that any of you have lived through than right now. Uh, I asked my dad... And I think, like, Kennedy assassination, Martin Luther, like, that period of time was pretty crazy, but all this stuff happening at once. Like, obviously the pandemic, obviously the riots over racial injustice, and then the president of this country, a month before the election, tests positive for COVID... By the way, test positive, I think, on October 2nd, announces his, his uh, positive test, leaves the hospital October 5th for some timeline, and I'm not rooting for this, by the way, but for some timeline, Herman Kane announced that he was positive July 2nd. The speculation is that he became positive at the June 24th Tulsa Trump rally. July 2nd, tested positive. July 27th, his family says he's strong. They wish he could already come home. July 30th, he dies. So to think that Trump's out of the woods on this is insane. And it's this seems to, in my opinion, feed into this theory that he is so desperate to remain president because he's running away from something. I'll be clear, I don't think it's, and it's not even out of some spiteful thing, I don't think it's good for this country if the president dies, ever. It's not good for the stability of this country, and right now, this country feels as unstable as it's ever felt. In my lifetime, anyway. By the way, with the caveats that I understand there's been massive uprisings in the past, but it feels like no matter what happens we are in for hell and then trump returns to the white house in a way that only trump can by the way i'm going to i'm going to see if i can play the uh the audio and describe it for you if you haven't seen it because it's so crazy it's just so crazy the whole situation is so crazy trump has got to have by the way one of the most uh He's got to have one of the best media teams around, like the the shit that he puts out. Here's, Here we go. This is Trump arriving in a helicopter. Uh, he's arriving at the White House in a helicopter. It touches down. A Marine officer steps out of the helicopter. Trump walks down, mask on, walking across the White House lawn waving to his uh his loyal fans and the press goes up to a balcony at the white house takes off the mask salutes he salutes the uh the helicopter and i think when you watch the video like uh some of the some of the videos look like he's out of breath like i'm worried i'm genuinely worried and not not i'm obviously not a trump supporter um I don't think it's good for this country. It's just not good for this country for uh, the president to die. Like, that's just true. And you cannot like him. Uh, the chaos it would throw this country into at this point. I don't, I mean, it, it's tough to even imagine. I also saw, by the way, this person. Uh, they tweeted with some, some commentary of I can't even remember why I included this. We need to check oh. out who this guy is. He Okay. I- so this this person, uh Teresa, let's see, what is her Teresa nine two nine 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 four seven one uh on Twitter is speculating about conspiracy and this dude Chiz MAGA C H I Z MAGA retweeted it. That's how it came to me. Chismaga captions it with man with gloves on wipes down Trump's podium and microphone prior to the debate. I on a suit with cowboy boots so he would stand out. You would think was there coronavirus on this napkin or a rag? I don't know, but it, uh, we need to find out. Keep watching. So on this video, there's nobody at the podium right now. And then a dude walks out and starts wiping down Trump's podium. Like, what is Occam's razor on this? Look at him wiping the podium. You know how Trump puts his hands on the sides. You don't understand the level of conspiracy theorist you have to be to think that someone in a time where everything is being disinfected and double disinfected with the sitting president, we're allowing somebody to poison him on camera. Are you fucking kidding me? The it's insane. Also, uh, it seems pretty likely that he tested positive or was already positive at that point. It's going to be a wild time in this country. This isn't a funny end of the podcast. I do not feel incredible myself, I will say I have uh, gone through the symptoms list of COVID so many times that I am certain I don't have it, because I know that my symptoms—I ha- my daughter has a cold. I had like a wet cough, not a not a hallmark of of COVID, and then she immediately shit her diaper, and so I knew that I had a sense of smell. Uh, so I'm I'm out of the woods in that regard, but my throat my cough. None of it feels good. So I'm going to end the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.